Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in. It's nice to be talking to you after a win, after such a long losing streak, and I'm sure everybody out there was about as frustrated as I was during this recent stretch, but nice to be talking about some positives, finally. Uh, Sabres beat Winnipeg 4-2, to and uh, Linus Olmark got the win with 42 saves. It's great to see him play such a tremendous game. He I think the Sabres were outplayed most of the game, um, and he really kept them in it, made some big saves, and he was a huge reason why they why they won tonight. He's probably going to end up going back to Rochester once Robin Leonard comes up, but it's great to see him get a start like this before he goes back down. Um, he still is a little bit jerky in his movements, and he's not completely smooth yet, but he really does have the talent to be a quality goalie, and I like his chances to be a quality number one sometime in the future. Um, it, it's going to be awesome for him to go down to Rochester, be able to get a lot of starts in, be able to become the number one down there once Leonard comes back. And I think he's going to really be ready to come in and make an impact in the NHL next year if the Sabres need him to do that, if they don't bring in another backup or don't bring back Chad Johnson to back up Leonard. Um, so great job by him. Um, it was... Great to see Sam Reinhardt after a stretch of not rough games necessarily, but he wasn't making a huge impact. Um, he would become invisible for stretches, but to see him get a hat trick, uh, it just goes to show when he gets space, he's really dangerous. And I think as he gets more and more experience, as he gets older, he's going to figure out how to how to get that space, how to create that space for himself. I thought it was also great in a physical game where the Sabres were going up against a big team and it was obvious that Winnipeg wanted to initiate physically and try to win the game that way, that Reinhardt was able to step up, bounce back up from some hits, and for him to thrive in that kind of game. And I think that's big for his development because, obviously, for this team to win in the playoffs, Reinhardt's going to be one of the big guns, and he's going to have to know how to, how to produce in that type of environment. So it was great to see him have a good game, and you could really tell a smile and just how happy he was, how relieved he was after a rough stretch. And that's inevitably going to happen when um, you have a rookie playing his first 82-game NHL season. There are going to be some rough patches, but it's all about overcoming those rough patches and figuring out, learning learning from those rough patches and hopefully developing consistency as the season goes on. So that was great to see. Hopefully he can build on that and get another hot streak going here. Evander Kane obviously was the big story going into the Winnipeg game, being in Winnipeg, and they were booing him every time he touched the puck. Some pretty funny chants from the Winnipeg fans. And I like that. I like how into it Winnipeg is. I think it's a great hockey city, and I wish the Buffalo fans at First Niagara Center could be more like that. I know that First Niagara Center, it's a bigger arena, and it's it's not built for the type of... Um, the type of acoustics and the type of sound, kind of how um, in Winnipeg, it's like the fans are right on top of you and it's built for noise. But still, the, the fans at First Niagara Center, anybody that's been to a game, you know, especially down in the lower bowl, it can get really quiet and you're kind of frowned upon if you even stand up and people don't even stand up for goals sometimes. It's, it's sad. So I hope Buffalo fans can learn some from the Winnipeg fans and, I think it's all in good fun. I, I, 
I like going into a regular season game with some animosity. I thought it was pretty cool to see. Um, it didn't seem too mean-spirited from them. Kane didn't have a great game, but it was really nice to see him, to see what happened at the end of the game when he had a chance at an empty net, and I'm sure he would have loved to have scored and celebrated and been able to been able to get out of that game with a goal, but for him to pass it over to Reinhardt so that Reinhardt could get the hat trick, I thought that was that was pretty cool to see. And I think a lot of what's happened with with Kane has been overstated. A lot of what happened in Winnipeg was things that happened early in his career. He developed a reputation, and then people were looking for any reason to to denigrate him. And I really hope he can become a, a cog in Buffalo. I think he's got a lot of talent and if he can build on that talent and if Bilesma and the coaching staff here can figure out how to best utilize it, then he could be part of that part of that core going forward. I'm still not sure where he fits in in terms of lines long term. He almost he almost would look best on a on a third line getting a lot of minutes where he can be the primary puck possession guy and he can maybe have a couple other players that they just focus on getting to the net. While he has the puck on his stick a lot and he can shoot from bad angles and then try to get garbage goals, I almost wonder if he makes mo- he makes the most sense next to Larson right now in the lineup. But I think they should keep trying to get him going with O'Reilly and because with the price they gave up for him, you want him to be a top six player and he's got all the all the skill to be a top six player. But it's just about finding the right chemistry in the lineup. And I know a lot of Winnipeg fans said that about him that. He can make a, a third line good all on his own, but for what you're paying the guy and what you expect out of him, the kind of talent he has, he should be just a third liner. So it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up in the in the lineup long term. And I think for that trade to look like a win for Buffalo, he needs to end up being uh, left wing on one of the top two lines. But that remains to be seen. Uh, I thought for a lot of this game, Buffalo struggled with the size and strength of, of Winnipeg. It's one of the biggest teams in the league, and they like to play that really north-south brand of hockey. And the Sabres are bigger. They can handle it better now than they have been able to the last couple of years, but they still struggle. And their top six has gotten a little bit bigger. You've got some sandpaper with Kane and Gergensons, but a lot of a lot of the reason why they're they're, they're not able to necessarily always compete physically against those bigger teams is because of the bottom six and that's where you want to have those guys with with some sandpaper in their game and to be able to really initiate physically and right now with a lot of dead weight on the roster they don't necessarily have that uh Felino, when he's on he's he's able to bring that to the table but he's only on every once in a while and it's not a consistent thing nick delorier is able to bring some of that um that tough physical brand of hockey. He brings it pretty consistently, but he's hurt right now. And after that, where is it going to come from in that bottom six? And Johan Larson, he plays that gritty kind of annoying type of game. I think he may have a future in this team's bottom six. And I liked what he, what he brought today. But beyond that, of the players that were healthy today, who is going to be in the bottom six long-term? I'm not sure if anybody's going to. Right now I expect them to move on from Marcus Foligno and try to bring back a pick or maybe a change of scenery type of swap. It would be great if they could get a 
maybe a left-handed defenseman that's in a similar place as Felino is in the organization he's been in the NHL. Maybe he struggled, try to do a change of scenery, one-for-one swap deal, or trade him for a second-round pick or something that could be used at, use his ammo at the 2016 draft to maybe move up. But unless he really turns it on down the stretch, I don't expect him to be back. Um, like I said, Delorier, I think, may have a future on the fourth line. But beyond those two guys, who will be here long-term that actually fits the bottom six profile of a playoff team? You've got Matt Molson, who's looking like he has to play in the bottom six. Like He's not going to be able to play top six even-strength minutes. That's not ideal. I think they're going to be trying to get out of that contract however they can. Um, they may eventually buy him out once it becomes palatable. But but assuming that Kane and Gergensons are going to be in this team's top six, who else is going to be in that bottom six? And there still are three or four spots up for grabs. Hudson Fashing, I think, will eventually have a spot. I think he's, he's going to be the perfect middle six type of uh, type of winger that can bring that tough that tough brand of hockey and can score a little bit and can hopefully develop chemistry with one of our big guns but I'm that that's obviously projecting him pretty highly I think he eventually will have one of those spots but that still leaves three other bottom six spots so Murray's gonna have work to do and those are positions you typically can fill out in free agency and um, by making smaller depth deals with some with all the draft pick ammunition that they have. But I, I think that's going to be a huge part of them becoming truly competitive with the best teams in the league, and especially with the best teams in the league that also happen to be big. And you find a lot of those teams in the Western Conference, but the Eastern Conference is starting to get that way. And you look at a team like the Capitals, and they're big. And I think the Eastern Conference, as, they, as, as the East is getting better, more and more teams are starting to starting to value size and being able to play that what you stereotypically would have thought of as the Western Conference style of play. So that's going to be big, and and what Murray does with the bottom six, I think it's it's less important than you know do they find a find another legitimate scoring winger? Do they um, find a top pairing defenseman? Those are obviously the big things to talk about, but I think it's also important what ends up happening with the bottom six. And that's going to be very, that's going to be a very important determinant in when they actually become contenders and whether it's going to be two years from now or whether it's going to be four years from now. Um, I thought Bogosian had one of his better games of the season, and hopefully he can build off that. I don't know if it was the emotion going back and playing Winnipeg again, but I thought that he looked good. And if he can, if he can look good going forward, that's going to be huge for the defense. Mark Pesic also looks like He'll be coming back after this weekend. It's not a for sure thing yet, but um, I've heard he's he's looked pretty good in Rochester. I haven't been able to watch the games, but so so this is all secondhand. But uh, I've heard that he he maybe looked a little rusty initially, but was able to shake it off, and he looks like he should be able to rejoin the Sabers pretty soon. So getting him back will be big, and I think that assuming that they're going to be able to play Pesic on the on the left side, which I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. It's going to give them more flexibility, and they're not going to have to always rely on McCabe and Bogosian as the second pairing. So if one of them is struggling, you've got um, you can lean more heavily on Pesic that game. I I would like to see Pesic with 
Ristolainen to see Georges move down the lineup. That would be ideal to see Pesic on the left side with, with Risto and see if he can be a long-term partner with him. And that would be tremendous to be able to come out of the season with an actual first pairing for the future because Josh Georges isn't in this team's future plans and he's not going to, He's not going to be Ristolainen's long-term partner. I still think acquiring another high-level defenseman is important, but if you can maybe acquire a high-level defenseman with the intent of playing him next to Bogosian, then then that makes your top four all the stronger. It makes you have to lean less heavily on Jake McCabe next year and and going forward beyond next year. Um, so that so that was good to see. Uh, also, just just thinking about this team, and obviously I'm projecting more and more into the future and thinking less about things on a game-by-game basis, but it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening uh, at the deadline. And obviously they're going to have Jamie McGinn, David Legwand, maybe Mike Weber if he holds any value around the league. They should be able to get some picks for those guys, but it, it'll also be interesting to see if they try to move Georges or, or France and guys with contracts beyond this year, but that may hold value for some team out there that's going for a playoff run and maybe doesn't care as much about the cap implications next year and beyond and are willing to take on their full contracts. Georges is more the one that I would like to see gone. I respect the guy a lot. I, he's very likable, but I do think that his contract is poor and it's only going to get worse as the Sabres get, get more and more up against the cap. So if they're able to, to, shed him, maybe get a decent draft pick, you know, maybe a third rounder or something like that. It would be a no brainer, even though Murray did pay a second rounder for him, but he's already, he's played his role as this defense gets better. He's only going to get pushed farther and farther down the lineup and become the number five or number six at best. And he's the type of guy, an undersized defenseman that blocks a ton of shots but it doesn't bring any one high-level skill to the table. Those are the types of guys that drop off really quickly. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can move Georges or if they're trying to move Georges. Franson, I don't have a problem with holding on to and going into next year. I think he'd be a valuable commodity at next year's trade deadline if the Sabres are out of it. Um, but if Murray gets a good enough offer for him, I would not mind at all seeing him be moved for a, for a good asset. I think it was a good value contract that they signed him to, and there's really, it's really a win-win situation. Either he stays here throughout the rest of his deal, and he can be, you know, the number six defenseman on a playoff contender next year, or they move him at this deadline or next deadline and can get some sort of asset back for him. He'll he'll hold value, guy that can play the point in the power play, big shot on the on the power play and fit in on a team's third pairing. I think that that has a lot of value. I think he holds more value than Georges, but it's going to be interesting to see if Murray tries to move the guys that have contracts beyond this year, or if we're going to see just the, just the expiring players gone. And uh, this, the Sabres are on to Minnesota next on Tuesday night. Um, I'm, Assuming that Leonard's not going to be back, and I know they've talked about him making a start on Wednesday in Rochester, I'd assume them to go back to Olmark, and I hope that Bilesma gives Olmark a couple games before he has to go back to Rochester and let him try to build on the performance that he had on Sunday. Johnson's going to get plenty of games the rest of the year. Olmark, barring injury, wouldn't get any more. Of course, knowing this team, there probably will be injuries, and Olmark probably will be back up, but 
if Leonard and Johnson stay healthy and if Johnson isn't moved at the deadline, then Omar's going to spend the rest of the year in Rochester. But give him another shot and see if he can build off a 42 safe performance and show up again against a, a very good Minnesota team. Uh, they're tough. It's going to be cool to see Vanek and Pominville, both both very likable guys and um, guys that I still that I still root for. Minnesota's got a pretty good, pretty deep team. They're they're good in net. Dubnik's been been very good and um, very good offensive depth and and defensive depth and a good mix of young players and and older players. I don't know if they're a true contender or not, but they're always a a tough game night in and night out. Um, and I, two of my favorite players from, from this generation, Zach Breezy and, and Ryan Suter, both, uh, both Americans, uh, both signed those huge contracts together in Minnesota. I always like watching both of those guys play. It's going to be a tough test and away game for Buffalo coming off a win. I think it was a pretty emotional win, both because of the atmosphere due to Evander Kane and the Winnipeg fans, um, and trying to trying to get off the uh, off the snide and trying to end that losing streak. So coming off an emotional game, can they come to Minnesota and bring that, that same emotion and try to build off the success that they had in in Minnesota? Once again, like we've said all year, it's gonna be can the bottom six contribute? And you can you can pretty much count on the O'Reilly and Eichel lines consistently providing offense because of how how well those both of those guys are playing and it's not discounting what their line mates have brought, but those two are both the, the driving forces on their lines, but can the Johan Larson line or the, or the leg one line bring, bring some offense. And that's really going to be the, the, the determinant of whether or not they, they can win these games against tough teams. They were able to get a goal out of Marcus Foligno in Winnipeg. And I think that was a, huge reason why they were finally able to win. They were still able to get the production out of their out of their top guys, but they finally got a goal from the bottom six. So can the bottom six produce something again? Can they find can they get some more scoring depth? That's gonna be huge going into Minnesota. Hopefully the the defense can build off of what they did well. Hopefully Bogosian has another good game and it wasn't just the emotion that was carrying him to a good game in Winnipeg after a pretty rough stretch of games. And if they do get Mark Pesic back, where does he slide into the lineup is going to be important. But I expect him to make an immediate impact. He's always a very calming influence. Whoever he plays with, I think that pairing is going to be much improved. So it be huge to get him back. Like I said before, I expect Olmark to be in that. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they went to Johnson because they only had two days in between these games. And maybe it's Johnson's turn in the rotation. But with Olmark likely going back to Rochester soon. I hope that he can get the start. So it's going to be an interesting game. Looking forward to it. I'm actually going to be in Minnesota wild territory. I'm not going to be in a position to go to the game because of work, but I'm going to be um, about an hour and a half out of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So that'll be kind of cool. I'll, I'll probably just watch the game on local television rather than screwing around with game center. Uh and hopefully the Sabres can come up with come out with another win and start to build on on a streak. I'm not optimistic because Minnesota is a tough team, but I'll be looking forward to it. And right now I'm at the point where I'm sure a lot of Sabres fans are that I'll, I love to see wins. I'm rooting for them to win, but if they lose, you know that also them building toward if they can get a top five draft pick, it's 
going to be very constructive for the future of the franchise. So hoping for a win, not expecting one, but uh, interested to see how, how Pesic fits in and whether or not Olmark can, can get the start against Minnesota. So thank you for listening. Like I said uh, in my last podcast, we are now available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe if you if you like what you hear and you want to get our future episodes downloaded. Um, you can reach me via Twitter at Mark Geis, uh, and I I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you'd like me to talk about. And once again, I just really appreciate any feedback and any listens. So. Have a fantastic rest of your short weekend, and thank you.